welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Rick Davidson, and I'm joined by my good buddy, Elka Beltry. Now, Elka. Yes, sir. The Eastern Conference Finals have finished, and we are making our way toward the pinnacle of the NBA season. And I'm talking about the NBA draft that's coming up in, in less than a month. But I guess before then... Uh, very. By the, that That is a pinnacle for that's you. That's for me. For If we start the next... But that's the next season, technically, in English. We're talking about I, the, the new league season. year. Actually, I think I think new league year actually happens technically, technically after that. So so okay. So still the pinnacle for pinnacle you. For me. But uh, we got to talk about the finals first. The NBA finals. Definitely, definitely. I suppose. Okay, mm-hmm. how you doing? Doing very good. Doing very good. You know, just um, I got it. I got a three day weekend. Get to enjoy it. Um, for our listeners out there, I don't work in the school system anymore. I work in a hospital, so. Ain't no summer breaks, ain't no fall break, ain't no Christmas break. It's working year-round now. That's the life. But I really love my job, so I do not mind at all. But yeah, I'm doing good, doing well. How about you, Richard? I feel like I haven't talked to you in a, in a couple weeks. I mean, it, it's been since since the draft uh, lottery, so it was... Yeah, which was great, which was a great experience. I was like, I was like, man, we need to like do a Zoom for basketball games or something again. Like, it was It was great, by the way. I know Richard talked about his reaction on the pod last time, how how he reacted, but it was great seeing it. I was happy for him. I was, I mean, I weird the Pacers thirteenth pick didn't even matter. Like, like, but like, like we, like, we were rooting, what? we were rooting for the Pacers to to jump up too, you know. So yeah, we were rooting, and at the end of the day, we got at least the Pistons got so and well deserved, well deserved. I mean, <sighs> given uh, last time you guys had a very high pick like this, uh, two thousand and three draft infamous 2003 draft but i think you guys are smarter this time around when it comes to picking i mean we hope and best best of luck for you guys picking Corey kisper all right moving on to the atlanta hawks um that's gonna happen ladies and gentlemen that is not that is that is a prediction moving on to the hawks which i'm gonna say this i do have an apology to say for the hawks and that apology goes to one nate mcmillan Ooh. as a former Pacers fan who went through uh, four seasons. No, wait a minute. 16, 17, 17, 18, 18. Yeah, four seasons with Nate at the helm. Do apologize. I did not believe that he would do that well. I'm like, ah, he didn't. He only won three games in his four four years as head coach of Pacers. But looking back at it now, I'm just like, huh. I think, oh, look, maybe it was just a personnel and he did the best that he could with that personnel and injuries. But look when he had the solid team and. I think also I also believe too that experience with the Pacers gave him a little bit of perspective, moving on to a new team, knowing what he should do as a head coach. And I definitely want to give him props because you kind of see them as they went through the Philly round and the Knicks round. His coaching was great. Like seeing some of the coaching decisions he made, how he handled that, and even with this Buck series, who knows how things could have been if if Trey would have been healthy. But we can say the same thing on the Buck side if Giannis would have been healthy as well. But this team has a really bright future with the stars that they have. Yeah, and I, what's what's really I think helpful for McMillan is like the, the issue, where where he's had issues, uh, like when people have mm-hmm. like docked him is kind of his approach on offense. But if you got Trey, that kind of covers some of that stuff up, and the rest yep. of the stuff that he's good at, you know, and you know, coaching him finding spot. Like one of the things that I we talked about this a little bit on the last pod where it's like, man. You know, and I guess they finally were able to take advantage of Trey with his lack of mobility, especially in this game six. Yeah. Uh, you know, just mm-hmm. you know, his his being injured. But 
like up and like up until this point, they'd done a pretty good job of hiding the point where like, man, how how come like for years going into the draft, it was Trey Young is when it comes to the playoffs, people are gonna take advantage He's of gonna you. He's gonna fail. Yep. And you know, we we Ethan and I talked a little bit about that on the last pod, but you know, shout, shout out to Nate McMillan. Um, he is just based off of how well he did and some of the, uh, you know, interviews and stuff after after that game six. Uh, he'll be back and he'll probably be getting yeah. type of change. Yeah, and definitely, and I think the rumor was that that the Hawks had offered him uh, the full time, like mm-hmm. taking off the interim tag. But I think he had said that he wanted to wait until the season was over to to get to that. And definitely with with, with Nate McMillan. Just seeing that being, I think you and I can both say that the Hawks were ahead of schedule in this oh, yeah. playoff run. Like, like they might have expected themselves to make it this far, but I think all three of us had the Hawks losing in the first round to the Knicks. We did, and I think immediately after like the, the second game, like ah, you know what, we should have had them winning this round and losing losing in the second round, right? But th- then they go out there and and then, and, and show up. Uh, you know, the number one seed Philadelphia 76ers. Granted, Joel Embiid's knee is tough. It, and the tough part is, like you said, they're kind of ahead of schedule. You you, you mm-hmm. see how they were able to take advantage of, you know, Joel Embiid on the perimeter. You know, they like to play a drop defense, just kind of like the Bucks. But just that mm-hmm. extra little bit of mobility that Embiid perhaps could have if his knee wasn't quite there, you know, the Hawks are able to take it, advantage of, of, of him in, in, in that regard. On the, yeah. and, and then Ben Simmons doesn't show up. So it's... Yeah, and, and then you can see him in the Bucks series. You can see the pieces that they have. Like, you're you're excited. And you can see... Because I remember there was, like, some animosity with Trey and his teammates in the beginning of the season. I don't know if you read those reports. Like, even, like, John, John Collins. Collins. Like, oh, John Collins, about, yeah. his contract's about to be up, so he wants a bag. And, and you know, how Trey... So yeah. And, like... But but seeing that, like just everything fit, and it was refreshing to see Cam Reddish. It was like, man, Cam, I know it's like, where have you been? But if they can get Cam Reddish to develop, because I think he was out of R.J. Barrett, Zion, and them, he was the best shooter of them three. But if they can get him to be a solid, like if he's my bench guy, I'm doing well. Like if he comes in and gives me a good body off the bench, because starter, I'm like, eh. Like I rather have DeAndre Hunter be a starter for me. But if he's coming off the bench, like I feel good him playing like 20, 25 minutes off the bench or something. But overall, I like what I saw from the Hawks. Um, the Pacers, once again, we decided to get the coach that they got rid of, Lloyd Pierce. Good job, Pacers. Hey, as an assistant, though. Wait as an assistant, it's okay. I know. As an assistant, they got Rick Carlisle. And then on top of that, we couldn't help but uh, put ourselves in the news again with trying to trade for Ben Simmons, Brogdon in the first. And I was like, you know what? You got to try it. But. I can see that happening. I know we're supposed to be talking about the Hawks because local media has spotted that Malcolm Brogdon has often clashed with the head coach because he's very hard to coach and wants to do his own thing. That's been the thing from local local guys. They're, they're, so I was in a group chat and someone uh, was talking about like how you know that yeah that there's there's rumors that um, you know Malcolm Brogdon's a cancer in the locker room. You know stuff stuff like like I wouldn't, he's like, I wouldn't say all well, that. It's like stuff he saw on Reddit. I'm like wow, Nate Bjorkren has a Reddit account. Who knew? Um, and yeah, <laughs> literally, like I know. I mean, I will say like, come on, people wouldn't go that far. Like someone's difficult to coach doesn't make it that. But and then someone I was like, someone tried making the argument. They said the Sixers had a healthy Brogdon, they would have gotten further. And I was like. I was like, I don't know if you can, I don't know if you could say that. Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of alternate universes and stuff, but like, like we never know, we never know how that would have been like. But 
Yeah, but I'm excited for the Hawks. What happens to them moving forward? I think they learn a lot about themselves, and we still got to give props though to the team that ended up winning. And as much as Coach Bud frustrates Ooh. us, he did do some things right. Like I think you and Ethan pointed out with with Lopez, how he was like how they were using Lopez more, and even like his defense, Lopez on defense containing the pick and roll. Yeah, I so, I I look at. Um... Back to the Hawks for, for for just for just a moment. Um, Go ahead. It's going to be a little bit tough for them, um, and mm-hmm. the reason why I say that is they're going to have to make some decisions. John Collins still a free agent, right? Still a restricted free agent, and I I feel as though he's going to get a very large bag. But at this point in time, you really can't let him go if you're Atlanta. Like you've had a taste of what this is like, and John Collins mm-hmm. being a big part of that. And I, I just I don't see how John Collins doesn't come out of the summer with a max, uh, a you know miniature max, twenty five percent of the cap max, or so what? So what is that? What is that mini max? Are we looking like four years, one hundred and forty? Like what are we? So so you can so so it's twenty five percent of of whatever the cap is. The, that that's what you can mm, get yeah. after the restricted free agent, unless you are someone who like Luka Doncic has gone in and, and made all, an all NBA team or like all they did NBA, Jason yeah. Tatum, right? When, when they said, Hey, if you Jason Tatum, if you get, uh, you know, this level of all NBA team, then your salary could go up to this, like, but Tatum got snubbed. And so it, it didn't, it, it didn't come to fruition. So it's just the percentages there. John Collins can get up to 25%. Uh, and I think they can go up to a five year deal. And uh, I, I, I don't know. Maybe he won't quite get all that because you know, retired free agent offer. You know, a team like the Spurs or someone has someone with cap space has to offer that. Um, but yeah. like, this is a summer where there really aren't a bunch of great free agents. If it's me, I'm I'm rather throwing the bag at one of these restricted guys that I like and saying, you know what? If we don't just get go it, for it, then we'll just sign, you know, the scraps to one year deals and we'll try again in 22 when perhaps. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe maybe some guy slips through an unrestricted free agency. I, I don't know. I, that, that's just, that would just be the way I would handle it. Yeah, because this free agent is kind of mild. I think we all – I think we brought it up. This is like way early on in the basketball season. This is supposed to be the summer of Giannis, but Giannis decided I'm staying. Exactly. If Giannis would have changed his mind, oh, man, that would have been so hectic. Yeah, and, and, and like the top like, – the, 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 uh, the, the top restricted free agent guys all signed their extensions, basically. So now we're at like uh, that secondary level. And quick quick clarification: Is Kawhi Leonard can he opt out? Oh yeah. Does he have a player option? He definitely could. So he could. But yeah, so he could. But he has no reason. I mean, based on what he saw from that Clippers team, you're kind of just like, we got a solid foundation. And based on what he saw for the location that this Clipper team is in, Los Angeles, that also mm-hmm. I think, for me, that I think that's the big thing. And. It's okay though, uh, Richard. For New York Knicks fans, they're already doing the Photoshop of Kawhi in a Knicks uniform along with Chris Paul. Yo, Here we go. Yo, fo- fo- Photoshop the rest of Los Angeles into New York, and maybe you'll have maybe you'll have a chance. Um, so with the Hawks, I I just look and think to myself, they already spent a lot of money this past off season. You gotta spend money on John Collins. Trey Young's extension is gonna be kicking in here, uh, and uh, they're gonna have to figure that out and in the upcoming year. And so as I, I just, I, I, I you know what, he's probably, they're probably going to have to offer him the extension. I think even like 
this summer because you can you can like offer the extension a year ahead just like last offseason Tatum and uh and Fox and and, and Mitchell like so so I, I don't know I look and I I think to myself I wonder what this looks like and at what point in time spending all of this money uh, who does it cause you to have to lose and, and, and cut mm. and I don't believe Cam Reddish is like coming to Paul George shooting 85 percent nope. from three I don't think it's sustainable in a projection thing. And Cam Reddish also does not have a handle. If, I don't know if you saw, he was hitting many threes. Then there was like, he got a little bit, he got a little hype on himself and he tried to like dribble into a mid range shot and it was dribbling off his foot and knee and stuff. So he yeah. can, like you said, it could be a fine guy off the bench. Um, you know, guy, guy uh, using spot minutes. You don't see him as being like, like, you don't see it as like if the Hawks lose him, you're like, Oh no. No, it's like, you know, you, you'd like to keep him, but I, I just don't I don't see he, he you have Trey Young you have your guy right he's not going to become like your number two option I don't that that that's if he does that's on me but he doesn't I I don't I don't trust him that okay uh, anything else you guys say All about right. the Hawks or shall we move on to the finals matchup let's move on to this finals matchup which consists of who would have thought Suns versus Bucks man if someone put a bet on those two teams beginning of the year they're probably pretty rich right now. Yeah, but I, those are those are our two teams. Go ahead, I Richard. Had the Bucks did not have the Suns. I had the Suns. I, I yeah, like I, th- I I picked the Lakers because I, I out of respect I shouldn't have. I, sh- I I was I was tempted to pick the Clippers, but I picked the Clippers last year and that did, that went poorly. So I could, but I I wasn't I I didn't have the faith to pick the Suns. Yeah, but who knows? Like, even with the Lakers, if you would have had a fully healthy AD and all that stuff, who knows? Given I I think. This year's Lakers roster, I think it's worse. The roster makeup is worse than the previous year. But let's get to the teams that we really need to talk about. Let's not talk about Rob Palenka these nope, days. Nope. I know Richard no has something to say about Lots him. Lots Lots so we're talking about the, the Suns and Bucks. So before this, before the podcast, Rich and I were just like, how did they do it in the regular season? So in their season matchup, the Suns won both of the matchups. But it was one point each. Uh, they played in February and April, and I believe the April game went into overtime. And it was some, you and I, I think one of the things that stood out was the Suns starting lineup. And in the April game, Sarish started that game. But then I looked at the February game and I was like, Richard, the starter that they have, the power forward, is Frank Kaminsky. And I was like, is Ray, is is Jay Crowder injured? What's going on? No, he played 26 minutes off the bench. So I was like, well, this is interesting. And by the way, my analysis is going to be more based on box score. I know Richard actually got... Got a chance to watch more more film, kind of see it. But based on what I saw, those some 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 of the things that stuck out. But Richard, seeing some of those clips from those games, what stood out to you in their regular season match? Well, I mean, the question that I had when I went back to go watch mm-hmm. uh, watch some of the a- April game is the one that I went back to look at. Um, and the the thing that I was there were a few things I was looking at. Number one, what were the matchups in that series like? Because I want to know. All right, who, are they gonna guard Giannis with Crowder? Again, assuming Giannis is healthy, that's a whole separate discussion that we'll, we'll, we'll get to here in a moment. But are they going to guard Giannis with Crowder, or are they going to do what a lot of teams have done, is take your center, take Aiton, and have him be the primary defender on Giannis? And then does that mean that Crowder then has responsibility to guard Brook Lopez? Because then that, for me, opens a lot of stuff up for Brook Lopez. So that, that was what I was looking at when I went in and... Before I watched, I did a quick, quick box score, like just skim. I didn't even notice that the starting line that that you know Sarich was in the starting lineup. I was like, "Oh, Jay Crowder <laughs> played 
great. It, it, like, I, I, I went through, I was like, I gotta watch this game. And it's Sarich. And, you know, the, the announcers, I think that was also kind of a little bit unique because I, I was hearing the announcers at the beginning of the game starting talking about the starting lineups, like, oh, and Sarich is starting uh, because of the size of the of the Bucks, And so it, hmm. I think in particular, it, because they wanted to make sure that they didn't have to stash Crowder onto uh, Brooke Lopez. My only issue with that kind of approach is that, it, number one, you are very thin uh, in, in your, you know, with your bigs, right? You got Aiden, great. But then we've got Saric or Frank Kaminsky, and those are our bigs. I'm sorry, Jalen Smith, not getting minutes in this series. Not going to happen. He's not very good. Um, now, if they had Isaiah Stewart, then, then you know, we'd be tough. But, but um, it, that's that's the that's the thing that I was looking for, and I was surprised to see Saric in there. And I, I just don't see how, right now, in this moment, the Suns could go in and say, we're playing Saric to begin with. I don't see that, especially especially with perhaps Giannis being a little bit hampered in game one. Um, it is curious to me though, if you do, if, if you, so that, that was the main thing I was looking at on, on, on that end of the floor. The other thing that I was looking at when I went back to watch is how did they decide to use Brooke Lopez in the pick and roll? Because one of the things that the, the Suns are phenomenal at doing is, you know, their, their elaborate pick and roll game that they do a lot of Spain with where they'll have, uh, Booker coming and setting a back screen for uh, Aiton on the roll and Booker popping it off the top. Like they, they do a whole lot. They find, find themselves doing a lot of that and it's a really elaborate thing. And the, the question is, well, how are they going to defend? Because we saw in game one of the Atlanta Hawks series, Bud had, and we, we, we rightly slandered him for it, Bud had Brooke in the deepest of drops uh, where basically he's starting in the middle of the key and dropping down to the restricted area when the pick and roll is happening up, you know, when it's a pretty high pick and roll. Well, made the adjustment in game two, brought him up. Brook Lopez started up near the top of the free throw line, even extending close to the three-point line, depending on how high that screen got. And it ate up a lot of the space. Brook Lopez can handle that, right? Maybe not for the whole entire game for seven for a seven-game series, but he can handle that in spurts and stints, especially if you've got Giannis at some points in time, like they like to go to that uh you know, small ball lineup with Giannis at the five. I, Giannis being injured is tough, um, but seeing that uh, Brook Lopez starting higher like that, like he did in game two of the Hawks series, seeing him do that in this game in of, of the Suns, gives me a little bit of hope that Bud isn't going to totally just fall flat on his face in this series to start. I was a little bit worried about that before watching that. Now I, I maybe have a little bit of, Hope that I shouldn't have it, that Bud will do the right thing there. It's just, I, you, you cannot, there, there are some things that you cannot do in this Sun series uh, defensively with your defensive decisions that have me a little bit worried if I am um, a Bucks fan. But uh, I, th I think a lot of it sums though is this Giannis situation, right? Yeah, I think that's we're looking at it where you and I, I mentioned, I said, man, I know they talked about maybe bringing back Giannis if there was a game seven in the conference finals, but I am interested to see how things are. And, and I know one of the things that I saw from the Suns, they know how to attack a player who's injured. 
the Bucks, it took them a little bit to figure things out. You know, I think in game six, they finally are like, oh, we can attack Trey Young a little bit. But the Suns know how to attack it. So I'm wondering if Giannis plays, where do the Bucks put him on defense? That's the thing. Where they where they do a cross matchup, like if if the Suns try to decide to go eight in on Giannis, are they gonna do Giannis on eight in? Because they're like maybe Giannis can hold himself in the post, not to move around. But I'm like, no. Whether well, he's gonna put him on Jay Crowder, because Jay Crowder doesn't have much. He kind of just floats around the three point line a lot of times. And it's in, it's interesting to see, but that's something that you and I kind of want to see. And who knows if Giannis even plays game one? The Bucks might say we can throw away one game. The Bucks might just. Kind of said, or they said like, "Hey, we have real good success for t- for those two games, the last two games without Giannis. We have confidence in our group to pull out some games." But it's completely different matchup comparing the Hawks to the Suns. Like, if for me, when I look at it, the Suns, as far as matching up compared to the Hawks, they're able. I think they're going to have a better time or easier time attacking. And in the two games that they played in the regular season, we was high high scoring affair. I think it was the one twenties for both of the games and the Suns shot ridiculously well from three, but at the same time as both teams were just making shots. But I am interested to see though, like what, what does Bud do at Giannis on that? And I don't know, do you have, would you have any ideas as far as where would you put Giannis on the defensive end? I mean, I think Giannis has to be that weak side guy. The problem is if you stash him over on Crowder, then they're going to find ways to get him like, uh, the weak side is whatever they, whichever side they, you know, they decide. So I like what ends up happening is Crowder and Bridges end up finding themselves in opposite corners. And I think that you're going to see Giannis defending. Like if you're, if you're, uh, you're going to have like any pick and roll, Chris Paul wants to get to his right hand. And mm-hmm. in, in doing so, you know, you want Giannis rotating from the weak side. So he's going to be on that opposite opposite corner defending whoever it is Crowder or Bridges or, or whoever um that's where I would have him because you're able to allow Brooke to be a little more aggressive in that pick and roll mm. um with but then knowing that hey if they if they go out here and they're throwing a lob to eight or something I've got Giannis there to protect it now they in the game against the Hawks without Giannis it, the, the Hawks really missed on this because one of the things that that they were able to get, which I don't think that the Bucks are able to, going to be able to do, is the Bucks switched one through five. A lot of possessions where Brook Lopez was out on the perimeter, uh, having to defend Trey. Now, now Brook Lopez did a pretty good job against a uh, injured Trey Young. You can't do that for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, Chris Paul is. Fully recovered from whatever his situation was, he went crazy in uh, in, in that in that final game, uh, in, in that clinching game to to push the Suns into the playoffs. He's he's just too good at operating in that, and he's going to find Aiton for uh, uh, you know four lobs if Giannis is not there. Trey Young tried to go ahead and find it and, and dish over to the top when he, when he had it, and Pat Connaughton is breaking up these passes to Clint Capella, and maybe this is an issue more of where Clint Capella isn't quite as skilled as, um, you know, as skilled as Aiton is, you know, and you know, we speak about the nimbleness of Aiton. I just, I don't think you can do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, you're going to, if you do, if you switch one through five and get Brooke Lopez on the perimeter, you're going to find situations where you're getting out rebound and Aiton's, Aiton's just going to go crazy. The Clippers, when they were switching one through one through five, you know they were doing the switching matchup. Aiton was feasting. 
uh, at least when they were able to find their way and, and actually dump it in and get it to Aiden. There was one game where they really just weren't looking for him, and and so he kind of looked like, hey, hey, where'd Aiden go? He disappeared. Well, th- that that's an issue more of the guards. But the Clippers are also, I think, way better at switching um, one through five. They got better personnel for it than the uh, than than the Bucks are. I think if you're the Bucks, what you've got to do is you've got to be willing to switch one through four. Um, if, if you need to, and be comfortable with that if there is no Giannis. But I think Brooke Lopez has to stay near the rim. And unfortunately, if you don't have Giannis, that just puts you in a spot where how aggressive can you be with Brooke Lopez? How high can you get him to where he feels comfortable defending everything? Because it's it's I do think that it is a little bit similar to the Hawks, more similar to the Hawks matchup uh, as far as scheme and personnel than it is to say the Nets matchup, because that's a whole different mm-hmm. style of basketball. But imagine if Bogdanovich isn't injured and and Bogdanovich is just on fire, right? That that's Devin Booker. All right. And imagine if Trey Young isn't hampered with that injury and able to work his way in more comfortable, not, not in the floater game where Trey Young will get to it really quickly, but Chris Paul is going to string you along, string you along until he gets his shot on the right elbow, right? Or so, like, it's it's similar in that regard, but a little bit. But there are there are some differences. And, and instead of Solomon Hill, you've got Jay Crowder. You got other knockdown shooters, right? So you got Mikel Bridges. You got guys who, and that's the thing where I look at it as. So I thought about it with the Hawks. Their main creator, ball creator, is Trey Young. I mean, creating off the dribble. Lou Williams can also create off the dribble, but they rarely played those two together. I, and I think when the I saw those games when the Bucks were having success, they did a lot of like blitzing on the pick and roll with Trey Young, blitzing him, trying to get him to give up the ball quickly. The thing is, you're you brought up having a healthy Chris Paul and a healthy Devin Booker. Those guys you throw him, let's just say a hard double, you have another guy who can attack or another guy who's like, hey, who's going to be in the paint ready for it or your corner shooters. And that's the one thing I've been worried about if I'm the Bucks. And like, you're right. Like Chris Paul is just going to, we've seen Chris Paul with bigger guys. Like it's going to be hard for them. Like I think the Suns are really, really going to push that issue to get Lopez out on Chris Paul. And yeah, Lopez, he did what he needed to do. But you and I both know Chris Paul has that mid-range where he gets to it, sweeps across to his right side. Like you say, he likes to go right and makes that mid-range shot. So I'm looking at it, but for me, it's just creating off the dribble. I, I think that's really going to make things interesting. But I, and I do wonder, like, how they – I mean, I know they're probably going to take maybe Holiday on Paul and then Middleton on Booker. So that's going to be an interesting matchup in itself because Holiday really – he really started – for me, it felt like he was kind of nervous as the playoffs were beginning. I don't know if you noticed that. He was having a lot – especially in that net series, he was really struggling – but then I noticed it almost seemed like in that conference finals, he was gaining more confidence to the point in which I'm like, man, Holiday is looking like the player who we saw in New Orleans, that what we expected that the Bucks to get. And I wonder how he's going to make life difficult for Chris Paul or if the Suns are going to be like, let's try to get Holiday off of Chris Paul as soon as we can with pick and roll. I'm, I'm wondering how they're going to play that. See, it's tough for me as I look at the, I mean, no DiVincenzo. Is an issue, and up to this point, you've been, you've been able to like say, oh well, Don Don even Chenzo's out, James Harden's out for, for 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 the Nets, right? So you can kind of discount that and say, oh, it doesn't matter. And in fact, the Bucks are getting are you know it, if you were to say, hey, take Harden, take Divincenzo out, that's a net win for the Bucks. 
this is the first series that you're mm-hmm. really getting to where that injury, I think, is going to show itself. It, it, allow, it, it causes your depth to really not be there uh, in the guard rotation, which is really tough in the situation that I think we're going to see a lot of Jeff Teague, which, which the fact that he hit three three-pointers, which, again, is in no way sustainable. They were wide-open threes, and, like, mm-hmm. he had a semi-good showing. You're going to see him in game one. You're just going to. Uh, because we're gonna have the we're gonna have the Jeff T campaign show for a little bit probably. It's gonna become the campaign show, and campaigns gonna look real nice. <laughs> um, it, it's 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 gonna be tough. Uh, I think in that regards, that's why I'm not confident in the Bucks in Game One at all. I just their rotation is gonna be too open, and especially if we don't have Giannis being healthy. Like, and so that Divincenzo's, uh, uh, you're gonna miss him. Okay, you don't have him. Okay, mm-hmm. PJ Tucker's in the starting lineup now until. When Trey got injured, and they were able to, they were able to say, "Hey, you know what? Let's go ahead and defend like Bogdanovich with Drew Holiday. Let's go ahead and do that." And PJ Tucker, you can go ahead and and defend Trey Young and be the primary guy. Now, obviously, there's a lot of switching going on, so they were it seemed like they were comfortable with that. But I do wonder. It's like, okay, well, who are you going to defend Booker with? Because I'm sorry, Chris Middleton can't do it. Chris Middleton is not a good is not a good enough defender uh in in the portions that i that i watched of uh that um uh, regular season game in april just blow by just booker able to get to wherever he wanted to and that's a problem and i wonder and the the thing is and and you bring that up and i think about it i was like all right so then the other way like sorry to really cut you off here i'm like the suns might the suns might be like the not obviously like not ideal matchup because Booker doesn't have to worry about matching up on the other end because they have Mikel Bridges, who I feel like is made to guard a guy like Middleton. Yeah. The way his length and his athleticism. So just, oh man. Well, I keep going though. I look at um, I look at uh, Tucker as being the guy, and I look at him being more the guy that you try to defend Booker with, or if you really, really, really want to get physical and get up into uh, the Suns and and you're not afraid of another, what Robert Horry, what Robert Horry did to Steve Nash, like if you're okay with Tucker being that guy, then, I mean, I just, there's going to be a, there's going to be a time at the end of like the first quarter or second quarter where Chris mm-hmm. Paul's out there and Thanasis is out there and it's just like, okay, but let's get Chris Paul off the floor because there's no way this can be a good thing. But like you wonder what kind of physicality, because you saw what Patrick Beverly was able to to do uh, in in this type in the type of defense that he played, where he's really getting up in your grill. And yeah, it's it, it's a bit much, uh, but he was able to throw um, you know throw those Suns guards off in a few games, right? I wonder if you see Peter Tucker taking that route. You know, Drew Holiday is going to be solid. I. I just wonder with the Suns, sorry, with, with the Bucks, they're probably gonna be at a point where they're gonna be able and willing to switch one through four. Bud has historically not wanted to do that, but you got to be careful in not switching the things that you don't actually need to switch. Hmm. And especially, yeah, especially sense. with the Suns and Chris Paul, with how deliberate he ends up being. Like it's not like Trey Young, where Trey Young is so quick and fast that if you don't switch, he's just gonna have open lanes. 
I don't think that that's mm. going to be the case. So, like, you got to be careful in not um, over-switching just to switch, um, just to, you know, because you can. I, I want to see P.J. Tucker, I think, and I want to see Drew Holiday as being the, the guys who are defending those Suns guards. If you've got to switch those two because they do a guard-guard pick-and-roll or something, like, I don't know, whatever, like, that's fine. I just don't really want to see a whole lot of Bobby Portis defending either one of those guys, which is what I'm most afraid of um, uh, from a Bucks perspective. Yeah, the, and definitely not going to get the same amount of minutes. That's something I'm anticipating. I mean, he uh, might, he might if Giannis and, is not right, though. Oh, he's, they're going to have to. But even looking at it, I mean, you brought up Coach Bud and his tendencies. I think right now, as far as coaching, I'm I'm going Monty Williams just based on what I've seen him do, the adjustments, how he's the what he's done well as the playoffs have gone by, and we kind of see Bud like sometimes Richard, like I just feel like Bud just stumbles into adjustments because he's so I've I think I've rarely seen a coach who's so like we're gonna do it our way or no other way, like even when they know that there's mismatches they can exploit. They're like, we're still going to play our game a certain way. And like that, that just bothers me. And the worst thing coming out of it might be that the Bucks are probably going to sign into an extension now that they made the finals with him. Because I mean, you can't just fire a coach after making the finals like, like that. It's, it's ridiculous because again, process should matter. <laughs> and just because uh-huh. Kevin Durant decides to wear one size too big, like too big of a shoe. Oh, man. And, and, and now we're here. Like, so it's a little bit frustrating. Um, Mm-hmm. I, it, it's it's this is gonna have to be a Chris Middleton series. It's gonna be mm-hmm. one where he's gonna have to go off and and really be making a shot. It's gonna have to be third quarter of that last game, Chris Middleton, throughout a lot of this series. But the thing that Bud has to do is he's got to find ways to um, make it not be an ISO. ISO against Mikel Bridges. Mm-hmm is not the route that you want and need to go. You've got to... And the problem with that last Hawks game was the process wasn't great. It ended up being a lot of um, difficult contested shots because we were trying to beat people in isolation. And if you're isoing against Trey Young, that's one thing, but you don't have that. You don't have that um, uh, you know scab to pick in this, in this game. Like Booker is a good and solid defender. You The reason why you would want to get him involved is because of trying to make him have to play offense and defense uh, for yeah. the duration of the game. But he's a much improved defender from from those previous dates. You got Chris Paul out there, who who's a solid guard defender, right? And I'm sure if you got Giannis, then you'd want to like you know do something, but Chris Paul's going to be flopping and Giannis, you know, tr- He's going to be flopping. You already know right? that's going to happen. happen. I mean, Chris Paul, Chris Paul is good to get someone ejected or get a technical at least once a series. He's going to get someone. He's going to bait them into doing 100%, 100%. that. 100%. And, but, like, you got Mikhail Bridges. You got Jay Crowder. Like, you've got a lot of versatile defenders on this uh, Suns team. So, I just – I worry on the offensive end. I'm a little bit – I feel like I'm a little more comfortable with, with Bud's defensive approach, and I think that he'll make the – um, reasonable decisions on that end of the floor in this series. Just after you know, looking at looking at how this past one went and and uh, you know, seeing seeing that that April game. But I'm a I am a little bit concerned on the offensive end, and I think it's going to lead to a lot of your turn, my turn, ISO 
Um, and I don't know. That that's where I'm concerned on the offensive end for the Bucks, and I and where I think that the Phoenix Suns and Monty Williams have an advantage. Yeah, and also too, just the Bucks were used. The Bucks were used to playing the Suns without a Jay Crowder in the starting lineup, and I think the way that the Suns are using Jay Crowder now is different to what the Bucks face. And go ahead, you want to make a point? If they put Jay Crowder in that lineup, and they and their approach is we're gonna guard. Brooke Lopez with Jay Crowder. This needs to become a Brooke Lopez series. It needs to become definitely like, well, like basically how Brooke Lopez played in this Hawks series after Game Two. Like it needs to become that, to where, uh, you know, he's really. That's the cat and mouse game where if Giannis is healthy, and he like Giannis went off in in both matchups, uh, in the regular season against the Suns. I think he can get his as well, but. Especially if you're also having to worry about Brooke Lopez and that matchup as well. Like that's that that's where I think um, it could be a little bit tough for the Suns and trying to figure that out. Especially if there's ever if there's ever a game that Aiton gets into foul trouble again. We're dealing with Dario Saric and Frank Kaminsky. We don't have the bodies, so. I know that that was kind of what I was saying in the Denver series. They ended up not mattering because Denver just did not have the bodies at all. But I, though, that's my worry if I'm the Suns. Um, and I think that that's you, – you need to be able to take advantage of that if you are yeah. the Bucks, And mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, and, and even though, like, we know the Suns don't have the bodies, overall, though, I still trust the Suns bench more than the Bucks bench. Some of those guys definitely coming off the bench. I think I, I think just with like I mean campaign, Cam Johnson and Sarich, like even just those three guys. Like Sarich, you don't want him playing a lot of minutes, but sometimes he'll give you a few threes. And we've seen campaign take over for Chris Paul. And Cam Johnson, if he's hitting threes, I mean yeah. he's gonna be hitting them. And he's a, and he's not a small guy that you can't just like push around around the perimeter. He's not the best defender, but he's not a pushover on the defensive end. But for the Bucks, like I do worry about their bench a little bit. Not that much, but a little bit I do worry about it. No DiVincenzo means that, it, it, you know, it, you got to get a little, a little bit deep. And if Britton Forbes is not hitting threes, then he's a liability on the defensive end. Jeff Teague mm-hmm. is just a liability in general. Um, yeah. Bobby Portis, I think, again, Sarich, you probably can get away with him in any Bobby Portis minutes, um, you know, as if it's just him at center. Uh, yeah, I, it, it'll be tough. The Bucks need to find ways where Drew, Drew Holiday has the ball, but he's not just doing it in ISO. I, what I want to see is I want to see some, some screens with, uh, Brooke Lopez, because if you got Crowder on there, Crowder's going to feel comfortable switching off onto that. Then you got Brooke Lopez dealing with Chris Paul or, or Denver Booker or whoever they like. Like I need, I need to see some creativity in creating those mismatches. If you, um, if you're the Bucks, but man, no Giannis means that you you can't like it, it's really got to be a well coached game, well coached series, and that's what makes it tough because I, I pick Bucks in seven to like mm. to to win the finals in seven in my pre playoff mm-hmm. predictions. That was that was the what I had. But I, that was also primarily because now, of though? specific matchups. And yep. who knew that the that the finals, I guess, sorry, the playoffs were going to get destroyed in the way that they did um, with all these injuries. And yeah. it was more of a matchup, matchup decisions. 
And I don't know. I'm a little bit worried with this hit of her. I, I, I got to stick with my Bucks in the seven pick, though, because... All pick, right. Pick, pick them from the um, beginning. That, that's like, I, I feel like I, I have think to do. My pick, my pick is going to be Suns in six. I think it's going to... I feel like it's going to be 2-2 two, two to start off. And then it's going to be Suns winning a pivotal... Putting that pivotal game five and then just winning on the Bucks home floor. That's where I think it's. That's how I think we're gonna end up. I mean, did, didn't you? We I, I went to our our, our doc for that. Didn't you pick? Uh, I, I can't remember. You said you said a lot of different things in that predictions pod. Did you, did you actually have the Suns winning the whole thing? I don't think I did. I actually I think I had the Suns beating the Lakers. You, you had the Suns beating the Lakers. That was you did you did have that. But I don't know if I had him. I don't know if I had him going that far though. I don't think I did. Personally, yeah, I can't remember. I, I don't know. I doubted them. Um, I know I doubted them heavily. I mean, you you you, you had that... them beating the Lakers, and then we were like wrapping up the pod, and Ethan was saying, uh, Miami and five. Even you know, you like said like Lakers, and like wait a minute, like it, we 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 kind of went off the rails at that point. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I'm trying to. I went back and brought up the doc. Yeah, I don't. I don't we, have we, any. We, uh, yeah, we kind of just said off the. That was a problem. We were unprepared. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but but I think that's what I'm gonna stick with for now. I really like this Suns team, but it's based on Giannis not being healthy. If Giannis was healthy, I would I would swing the other way. But I mean, you play who's in front of you. That's the way it goes. 100%. I know people want to do excuses nah. for the Suns. I'm I'm tired of that narrative. Like people saying that, just like with the Raptors, people saying the whole thing. If Durant was there and Clay Thompson, you know what? You you can't. You can't control unless you deliberately try to injure a player. You can't control injuries happening. Just like the Bucks, I think they got a little fortunate with Trey Young tripping over that ref and twisted his ankle on the ref's foot because Trey Young, he was like you can kind of see that Trey Young was figuring out the Bucks, but but then he, but then he, but then Giannis goes out the next game too, so it's yeah, so it like kind of evens it out. It, you yeah, you can only do but, you can only play who's in front of you and. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what level Giannis can get to. Um, yeah, for sure. I well, you, I, you've got. I mean, I Ethan. Think, Ethan think, didn't message us back, so I have no idea. I was going to say, like, did Ethan? He has no takes. We can only assume that he has uh, chosen Heat and five. Probably that's his motto for life. So Heat and five, when in doubt. So so I'm just like, all right. But at the end of the day, though. People saying there's gonna be a boring finals. I think it's no, gonna, it's gonna, gonna be, be an entertaining great. finals. It's gonna be great. As long as, as, long as gonna, Giannis is healthy, it's gonna be great. Yeah, I think we're gonna see some good basketball, especially the Suns. Like, if people have not seen the Suns play, you'll be missing out on some really good basketball. Like their games have been a delight to watch. The way that that they've been doing, the way they've been conducting their offense and defense. But I think I, that is it for me on my finals preview. I don't know if you want to add anything else, Richard. No, I guess I got I got bucks in seven. I don't feel getting I don't feel good about it, but we're we're sticking with it. We can't we can't, we can't <laughs> be right, flip flopping so, out here. That is true. That is true. And you're the one who you made it through. You did the prediction early on, and you got to it. <laughs>